You are listening to the Phenom NHL Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network, powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back to the second episode of the Phenom NA. Jordan Mossberg with Joe Franks. Uh, if you haven't already, check out our first episode. We discuss three teams in the Canadian division, as well as all new rule changes and differences in the upcoming season. Uh, this is our second episode, so enjoy. Yeah, just check out the first one. Uh, there's some good stuff. We had some good questions at the end. Uh, yeah, let's just go right into the news of the week. So uh, to start, there are some things. Kirby Doc broke his wrist at the WJC. Some pictures surfaced. It's really nasty, and that's really bad for uh, Team Canada as a whole which we'll get to in a, in a few minutes, but that's not fun. Uh, Eric Halla resigned with Nashville on a one by 1.75. It's a good deal. Uh, it's pretty low risk by Nashville. Do you have any thoughts on that? I think it was good. They also got uh, Granlund to a one by 3.75. So they not too expensive contracts, just kind of getting some depth on their team, which is never bad. Yeah, and then Michael Froelich re-signed with the Canadians, won by uh, 750000 Same with uh, Matthew Joseph of Tampa Bay, won by 733000 So some minor depth signings. And then uh, some of the bigger news of the week, Mackenzie Blackwood re-signed on his RFA bridge deal for three years, $2.8 I love that. I think Blackwood's an awesome goalie, and I think that'll be really good in time for – uh, the Devils and Blackwood because he'll get some minutes with Crawford as well, so you can yeah, get developed by him. Uh, not too expensive, and he's 24, so you figure he's entering his prime. You're going to have him for the start of his prime, and hopefully keep him to sign him to another three or four year deal, and you'll get the full value out of a good goalie. Yeah, especially young goalies, they're kind of getting harder to come by, and they're all in the metro. So it's good that New Jersey has their goalie in the future with them right there. All right. So then uh, Alex Nylander also tore his ACL, which sucks. This is a huge development year for him because the Blackhawks are in an interesting spot, but he can't get the minutes this year that he needed to hopefully get better, which it's never fun. It's never fun to have someone injured. And then we wish him the best. All right, so the biggest news of this week is uh, Nikita Kucherov, who um, had a hip surgery, and he's going to be done for the year. 
they say he's going to be, I'm pretty sure, back in time for the playoffs. So while it does hurt missing a top five player in the league, I think they'll still be able to get into the playoffs and use him and hopefully make another cup run. Yeah, you can take Kucherov off that team and they're still pretty easily one of the best teams. That's how good their front office and general management has been. It was a little weird because it just randomly popped up on Twitter and it was so undisclosed and had like zero exposure. It just said Nikita Kucherov has a hip issue and they specified that he needed surgery and that he's done for the year. It's obviously a big blow. It's not fun losing a top 10, 15 player in the league. He's awesome, has a heart. But I think Tampa Bay has enough depth and enough talent they can overcome the news of him being done. Yeah, um, they they made their entire playoff run with basically no help from Steven Stamkos. So it just shows that they're not a they're not a top heavy team. While their top is gonna win them, I mean it won them the Stanley Cup, but they they have they're a perfect team. Yeah, they've they've been well managed. They have good depth in Coleman, who they picked up. They have top talent and point Stamkos, Kucherov, as you mentioned. Vasilevsky's a good goalie. Uh, they have Hedman, who's awesome. That that's a team. <laughs> but uh, some of the more fun stuff. It's the World Juniors. It's eleven days, short tournament. You have the four play-in games. They're the four seeding games, and a single elimination tournament. That's it. And it's awesome. And uh, for my top three teams, I have Canada, USA, and Russia. What do you have for your top three? Yeah, I agree. I think Russia and Sweden could kind of be interchangeable, but they are, those are the hockey teams. And whenever you have the Olympics or whatever tournament, those are the the teams that are going to be on top. And it's most likely going to be Canada. Yeah, I love Canada this year. They lost Kirby Doc, who even as a 20-year-old or a 19-year-old has a whole year of NHL experience and would have led the team. But they're just casually replacing him with the second overall pick in Byfield this year. Their depth's insane. It's, it's their biggest question is goalie, goaltending, which it usually is because they're so loaded on the front and back that even if they don't get like stellar goaltending, they get good goaltending, they'll still probably blitz the tournament. Like I don't – they're – my pick to win they're most people's picks to win uh as for team usa they have spencer knight and goal which could win them some games he was the 13th overall pick not this past year but in 2019 he's awesome they have some really good forwards and trevor zegos uh and alex turcott and they should be good but i think they might end up playing russia who with this year's 13th overall pick yaroslav askarov uh, they could steal that game. So should be a fun tournament. Uh, do you have any thoughts on any of those teams? Um, I just think it's going to be interesting to see. So uh, I'm just going to start with some players I think that everyone should watch for. So like Joe mentioned, uh, Yaroslav Askarov, he was just taken by Nashville in the draft. Good young goalie prospect. And Russia seems to be loaded with goalies who are under 25. And then also just look out for the big names. I know uh, Alexis Lafreniere, he just he isn't playing in this, but you still have uh, Quentin Byfield, second overall pick. He's playing the third overall pick. Tom uh, Stutzel's playing for Germany. And then Cole Caulfield, uh, the, an American who's on the Montreal Canadiens, who's so far looked amazing 
uh, he had a lot of hype going into the tournament, and he's he's proving himself now. Yeah, uh, I agree with all those players. They should be intri- intriguing to watch. I have some of my own players. I have Connor McMichael, who was the Capitals' first-round pick, who exploded in the OHL this past year, and he should be seeing first-line minutes on that Canadian team, expecting to go far. I also would like to watch Anton Lundell. He's a two-way demon who is the Panthers' first-round pick this year. Then you have Peyton Krebs, who's a little bit of a sleeper pick because he fell in the draft last year to, I think, 17 to the Golden Knights because of a torn Achilles, but he's an awesome talent, and he can make some damage. And then on the back end for them, I think Bowen Byram's a guy to watch. Fourth overall pick, really talented. They asked him to play a little bit more two-way this past year in the WHL, which has really helped him, and it's helped him grow. Even though it kind of took his offensive numbers for a hit, it helped him uh, develop as a player. And then another defenseman is Vili Hanala, who actually got minutes for the Jets with how bad their defense has been, which we spoke about in the first episode. So check that out if you missed it. But he should be seeing big minutes for a Finland team that's probably the fourth or fifth best team in this tournament. And then a goalie that I previously mentioned, Spencer Knight, for the Americans. He can single-handedly steal games. He's an awesome prospect, awesome goalie. Yeah, so those are my those are our guys to watch. Um, so now we'll discuss our overall standings, our predictions for the Canadian division. So I personally think that Edmonton and Toronto are the two best teams, uh, most star power, and they've made the playoffs. Um, and I just think those that Edmonton will be one, Toronto will be two. And the last, it's going to get a little close, but I think Vancouver will be the three. And then I think Montreal is going to slip into to the four seed with just their great goaltending and solid talent. Yeah, I'm in agreement with you on a Edmonton, Toronto. I have them finishing one, two in that order. Edmonton's has a bunch of top talent. They're, they're kind of top heavy, but... Uh, they really got in the power play. I really like Toronto this year. If they can get Frederick Anderson back to being what he once was, because I know last year wasn't his best year, uh, I think they can be awesome. But then I think instead of you, you put uh, Vancouver, right? Yes. Yeah, I have uh, Calgary as my three seed, which I know is a little bit, uh, not off the board, but a little bit controversial because this is probably their last year. So they're, like, if they don't make the playoffs, their GM will likely be fired. Goudreau might be shipped out. And I think their GM might add at the deadline, like, if they're anywhere near the playoffs to keep his job. So I think they're going to have a late push, and I think they'll make it. And then I have Vancouver finishing fourth, which we'll get to their offseason in a minute. And I have Montreal fifth, Winnipeg sixth, and Ottawa last. There's a bunch of good but not great in that division. Like, there's a bunch of – there isn't, like, a top three or four team. You have Edmonton Toronto, who are kind of mixing the great but not Stanley Cup favorite. They're in the Stanley Cup contender tier. And then you have a lot of lower tier to late lottery teams, lower tier playoff to late lottery in Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, and Winnipeg, who all could finish within 10 points of each other in the standings when it's all Yeah, I agree. It's – the playoff format, it's different, and I think it's going to be – extremely interesting because from what I've been reading they are going to do a 1 to 16 and then for the semifinals there's going to be reseeding based on points so 
it's going to be hard to predict uh, matchups in the playoffs, but uh, the divisions, the teams, like especially this division, and I know, I guess you could call it the Metro, the East, it's a lot of close teams that any team has a real chance aside from the not so good teams, but I wouldn't be shocked if Winnipeg were to make it. Maybe yeah. Ottawa, I don't think they have much of a chance, but Calgary, Vancouver, Montreal, and Winnipeg are fighting over two spots. And it's going to make the year amazing. Yeah, they're all within relative talent levels. We saw, we've seen it in point standings last year. They were all close. And just a true talent, they're all really close. I think Calgary fell off at the end of last year, though, because Riddick kind of started to slip, so they had to go to Talbot. But I, I still think they're all relatively near each other. Like, they're all – I wouldn't be shocked if any of the six teams that you just mentioned other than Ottawa snag a playoff spot. Um, so how about we discuss some off-season moves? Yeah. So, so uh, what do you think about Montreal's off-season? Uh, it's – they're an interesting team because they have some really good prospects in Caulfield and Kokomiemi, even though he's kind of – he's been a little shaky. But I think – they don't have direction like they're a lower tier playoff team with Shea Weber who's old and gets paid a lot they have Carey Price who's getting up there in age still really good but gets paid a lot and then they have like Nick Suzuki so like they're trying it, it seems like they're trying to win now and win for the future which is never a good way to build a team I always believe that you should fully commit and they traded Max Domi which is fine like he's a really good playmaker but they needed someone who could score. They got Josh Anderson, who's injury riddled, but is a big guy. So, and plays around the net. He's a good player, but I don't like that trade for them. And then they immediately extended him to for seven years, which I sincerely dislike that move, considering how he's very uh, injury prone, has really big injury issues. So I get the Domi, I get the premise of the trade. I don't like the actual results. The trade for Allen, uh, it's fine. Allen's a good backup. I would have liked to see a prospect play, maybe like Primo, just get him some confidence, get him some minutes in the NHL. And then they extended him, which is, he's been like the most inconsistent. Like he'll be so good for a few games and he'll just be so bad for a few games. I really love the Toffoli signing. I think he's a really good player. They got him at a relatively good cost. And in their draft, they drafted Caden Gooley, who it, – it's cool. It was fine. But he's just another defenseman to add to their system. Yeah, I think I think the, the Allen trade was very good for them. They're definitely going to be a, a goalie-strong team with Carey Price, who is still maybe not as good as he was, but he's still an amazing goalie. And having a backup that you can trust is going to be big for them. And I agree. I think that Toffoli was a great signing. He's a great player, uh, and he's going to help them win some games. For Toronto, I love their offseason. I think that the Thornton and Simmons signings are just what they need. They need big, strong players to, and more defensive um, forwards to kind of stick up, I guess, for Matthews, Tavares, Marner, and Nylander. So I think that they're going to help them bring some leadership and a stronger connection to a team that has the skill but seems to just not be able to win. 
Yeah. Uh, I also did like them. They're some grizzled vets. They needed some leadership in that locker room. They needed some guys that have kind of been there and done that. But I really, really liked the uh, TJ Brody signing. He's a big, mobile, top four defenseman. When their defense has been under a lot of scrutiny, it's been kind of okay, like not great. So I think adding someone like a Brody who can go in there, play 20 minutes of solid hockey at night and not try to do too much. That's his biggest thing. They already have guys that will throw up a bunch of goals, a bunch of assists. He doesn't need to do that much. So I think he's a third defenseman. He's awesome. What were your thoughts on the uh, Domi trade, though, for Montreal? I thought it was I, – I didn't. they didn't get a lot. I think it was more of them trying to get something for – they knew they weren't going to re-sign him. He got a pretty, pretty solid deal, decent amount of money. And they thought that it was time to move on from him. And they figured if they, they got a pick and I wouldn't call it a prospect, but maybe like a, a solid AHLer. And they just wanted something for a player that they probably knew that they weren't going to re-sign. Yeah. Like I liked the premise of the trade. Like the thought was there. <laughs> I don't like the actual results that they got. I wish they would have gotten someone who could either be a really good defenseman along with uh, Petrie and Weber, or maybe just another, maybe some prospects that could score or maybe just forwards that can score because they need to finish because they didn't have that great of a power play. But uh, for Toronto, I think their biggest X factor is Morgan Riley. They get the Morgan Riley of last year, who was kind of – he was good, but not like what he was in years prior. Then I don't think they're going like that far in the playoffs. Like we both have them as the two seed in that division. But I think if they get the 18-19 Riley, the 2018-2019 Riley, I think they could be really good because he was so amazing offensively that year. And I think that if they get him along with Brody, along with Jake Mazin doing his thing and some goaltending, they could – quite possibly be the most the biggest x factor in the playoffs yeah i agree offense is never going to be an issue for that team if it's if their defense is going to be able be able to hold up and yeah keep them and not just lose them games for vancouver they signed holtby which i think it's a good signing obviously uh, thatcher demko ended the year lights out and held them into a Make the made the Vegas series extremely interesting. And then they also signed Nate Schmidt, who is a solid, solid defenseman, could be top two, top four, but they lost uh, Tanev and Toffoli, which are going to hurt, especially considering that Toffoli was a, a rental player, so they gave up for him. They got like under 30 games out of him. So it depends if you think that the trade was worth it for Toffoli. Yeah, for Vancouver, they let Markstrom walk, which is fine. He got paid a lot of money by Calgary, who's a team we're going to get to in a, in a little bit. But he still, he still has the talent, even though he lost his, was losing his job to uh, Samsonov out in Washington and had kind of a rough year this past year. I really, really like the Nate Schmidt signing, the trade. It was only a third rounder. He's a really solid second pairing guy. Could even slide up, play with Hughes if he needs to. Really good. And that was at a really cheap price. Losing Tanev sucks because he was a leader and played a bunch of minutes. But I think it's something that's stomachable. But I don't I, I don't understand why they didn't re-sign to Foley. 
they gave up Tyler Madden, who's going, who's a prospect, who's rising, who's been rising. He had a really good year in college this year for, like you said, under 30 games of DeFoley. They didn't really do anything in the playoffs. Like they didn't make the Stanley Cup. They didn't do much. So they give up one of your better prospects for less than like 30 games of Toffoli. It's just not something that I really, really like. And this team didn't like go, didn't get better, but it didn't get worse. It just kind of went sideways. So it feels like another year where they're just going to kind of be like a fringe playoff team with some goaltending that needed that they need the goaltending to show up because if it doesn't, then they could be in some trouble because Markstrom was awesome last year. So what do you think? How do you think the Flames, how do you think their offseason was? Uh, the Flames had a really, really interesting offseason. They let a bunch of D-men walk, but they, they signed Chris Tanev. They became Vancouver East by signing Tanev and Markstrom. Markstrom, I really liked that signing, even though he's old and they're paying him for six years, which is not something that I would do. Their GM knows that his job is on the line. If his team doesn't make the playoffs, they're done. Like, he's gone. Like, he's gone. So they needed to make a splash in the offseason. They needed to make an acquisition. And they went out and got Markstrom. They went out and got Tanov. Even though they let some guys walk, I think they also kind of like Vancouver. They didn't get much better. They kind of just went sideways. And goalie production is so year-to-year. Like, last episode, we said Matt Murray. He was awesome two years ago and then was not good this past year. So it's so wishy-washy with goaltending. What were your thoughts about that team? Yeah. Well, adding on to goaltending, uh, David Riddick was, um, at the start of the year, he was lights out amazing. And then he just fell off. So I think Markstrom was a good signing, a little too long, like you said, six years, uh, $6 million a year, which is a lot. But I think Tanev is definitely better than all three of the defensemen that left, but I don't know how it's going to help them by losing half of your defensive core and just gaining one player back. Yeah. But like you said, it doesn't, I don't know how much of an improvement it was. It didn't hurt them. It's not really helping them. Like it's just, they just made moves. Like, like the Markstrom, like he's a great player, but the six years plus they've dusted Wolf who was a seventh round steal in 2019 had a great year in the WHL. Like I think their GM knows like the writings on the wall, if they don't make the playoffs. So they had to do something. The Tanev, like you said, it was good, but they need to, uh, they need to do something. So I think we should uh, finish out the year, finish out this, <laughs> finish out the podcast with some questions for you. So uh, for my first question, do you think Brock Besser who has been, the subject of some trade talks finishes out the year in Vancouver. Um, I think he does. I think I like their team. They have Quinn Hughes, who's amazing last year. I think they have a solid defense, uh, solid goalie tandem this year. And I think that him and Pedersen are going to be an uh, offensive threat. They're both young. They're both good. So I think that if he, if they keep him and I don't, really know how the money's going to work out but if they can keep them I think in a couple of years by adding on some more offensive depth that they're going to be a threat to the cup yeah Vancouver's issue always seems to be throwing money at a bottom six of 
gritty guys that when they're, they need like some forward scoring depth. I also do think Basser finishes out the year in Vancouver because I don't think they're going to get in a trade the value that he would bring considering how young he is and he plays well with their forward core. So I do think he finishes out the year in Vancouver. And on the topic of Vancouver, uh, to what scale do you think Demko could replace Markstrom? Because we saw in the playoffs, he had the, the really good series against Vegas, but Markstrom's their rock all year. So how much do you think he could, he could replace him? I think, and obviously I'm not a coach. I don't know what's going on in practice or what anyone thinks, but what I would personally do, I would try and make a Demko plays one game, hope he plays the next and try and wean into just making Demko the full-time starter and just make sure he keeps the magic that he had in the playoffs last year. But I think if he is able to keep it up and play how he played last playoffs, he could be a threat to the, he could possibly win the Vesna in a couple of years. Yeah. Like you said, I agree with the tandem. You bring in Holpe so that he doesn't have to run himself in the ground and play like 50 or 60 games. Throughout 72, I wouldn't be shocked to see it be like a 40-32 split or 42-30 split, like you said. But if one of them's hot, I don't see why they wouldn't just ride the hotter goalie. Like if Holpe is absolutely feasting and Demko has been kind of mediocre, I don't see why they couldn't uh, rock out with Holpe throughout that time frame. I have a question for you. So do you think Toronto, last year they were second most goals per game. Do you think that this year they'll average most goals per game? Uh, I think they could. Uh, I'm going to say no. But I, they're definitely going to be top five. I think Boston could average a bunch of goals. Even Tampa without Kucherov, they can average a bunch of goals. Colorado has some really great depth. I'm going to say no, but I wouldn't be shocked if they do. Yeah, I agree. There's so much off teams with just such great offenses and offensive heavy teams that I don't, I think it's going to be a toss up. So I'm not sure uh, who's going to be able to average most goals per game, but we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah. Uh, on the topic of, not the topic, but in Calgary, do you think that Chris Tanev can be enough to replace the other defensemen? that Calgary let go this let go of this year. Especially in a shortened season, I don't think it will be. I think if it was a 82 game season with a much longer off season and more training camp, then I think maybe it could be. But taking two defensemen and throwing them right into the fire right away, I don't think it's going to be able to benefit them. Yes, like some of their D-men, like Shillington, have to step up this year. Rasmus Anderson also has to step up. But they this year is going to be rough in terms of conditioning. You might see some NBA things where they kind of sit out some games if there's too many in a row. I wouldn't be shocked if that happens. But uh, personally, I'd also agree with that sentiment that I don't think it'll be enough. But uh, on the topic of Calgary, if they miss the playoffs, do you think anyone will be traded any uh, front office people fired. What do you think will happen to that team? I think Goudreau is definitely gone. He has so much value with his ability, his speed, and his just ability with the puck that I think they'll definitely trade him. And I think they're going to start making definitely some front office changes, possibly uh, fire GM, uh, maybe the coach. But I think that this is kind of 
the last year of this team, and then they're going to have to move on. Yeah, I would agree that this year that they're going to add, in my opinion, if they're anywhere near the deadline because they need it for his job, for the GM's job. Uh, I think, like you said, Goudreau would likely be gone. I think Sean Monaghan could be gone as well because he, he's on Goudreau's line. They might even split him up or just let him go. And they might just hit the hard refresh. They have some good prospects. They have some young players in Noah Hannafin and Shillington and Anderson all in the D on the D core. I think they could just hit like a hard reset bottom out draft. Well, cause they've been good drafting. They've been really good at drafting and just build up and we could see them be good again, but some heads will definitely be uh, chopped off on their team and in the front office. If they don't go anywhere in the playoffs. Uh, so recently the schedules came out and the Battle of Alberta between Calgary and Edmonton will be, will be played 10 times this year. Do you think that that's going to have a big effect on the players? Uh, what's great about a rivalry is that it makes for more excitement in games. There's just a hatred between the two. I think it will, but I think 10 times might be a little too many to play one team and that short. Like, in a different division, Anaheim and LA, they play each other five consecutive times in 10 days. Like that's like, that's a playoff series. So playing 10 times in a 72 game season, I think that might be a little too much. So you might have moments, but I wouldn't expect it every game. I would expect it in some games. I don't know if it would be in every game where we might see like a fight or like some crazy antic, like Riddick throwing a stick, which was really entertaining to watch. It was like a bat flip in baseball. But uh, I do to an extent. Like, I don't think it'll happen every day. Yeah, last year was probably the most exciting series to watch. You had Kachuk and Cassian basically trying to kill each other on the ice. And it shows the hatred between the teams. And I think they play three times in a week. So I think that, especially looking at playoff series, players at the end of the series, they hate each other. Like, rivalries are created just in a series between players. So I think going in with that hatred and playing each other in a series, I think there's going to be a lot of possibly some suspensions handed out. Yeah, there could be some suspensions, like you said. There's just a raw hatred between the teams that's hard to, that's hard to remake. So uh, out in Vancouver, out west, do you think Elias Peterson could be a top 10, could finish top 10 in scoring this year? I think he could. He has a very good shot and he's got a solid team behind him. And I think that he's just, he has so much room to improve. He's young. So I think that it's only going to be up. And I think he has a good shot of being top 10. Yeah, I would also agree with your statement. I think he will be top 10. I think their power play is going to be really good this year. I think Hughes will take a step up as a facilitator and as a point producer i think he's going to be the benefactor of that he'll, he'll be more uh utilized and he'll be the focal point of their offense i would i think we could be top uh top 10 points and i think he might even he might sneak into top five in heart that's my that's my bold take if he could be top five in heart uh, do you think Toronto wins a playoff series this year. See, 
I want to say yes because they need they need to. It, it the step forward needs to happen because there are some Marner trade talks to begin the year. But if they play a team like Boston or Tampa Bay, and the first round is like the two three game, I can't I can't see them beating one of those teams. But if they get I matched think- up as a higher seed against like a team like Columbus, if they played them again, I think they could win. Or if they play like a team that's not in the upper echelon, I think they could. Yeah, I agree. I think one of the harder things this year with the playoff format is that it's hard to predict who's going to play who. But with the addition of people like Joe Thornton and Wayne Simmons, those people have been in the gritty moments, been in the where you really need a goal and need to lift your head up. And I don't think that Matthews, Marner, Tavares, they don't have the real leadership quality to get their team fired up and get their team to win a playoff series, win a big game. So I think depending on who they play, but looking at the series they've had in the past, um, like that game seven against Boston, I think the team now could beat that Boston team. I think they do end up beating uh the Columbus team that they lost to last year. So just, it's going to be who they play, but I think that the chances, this is their year to make a run. Yeah, I agree. And if they don't make a run, which could very well happen, let's say they either miss the playoffs on some, on some weird reasons, like not due to injury, just underperformance, or if they underperform in the playoffs, they don't want a playoff series. Could Kyle Dubas get fired? I think he could. Their team is very much an experiment. Most teams don't center around three or four players like you see in basketball. The Golden State Warriors, who are probably the dynasty of our generation, they had four players, three players on their team. But hockey teams, you don't see that. And they have three players, depending on what you want to consider Nylander, but three solid players. And I feel that if they don't make a run, it might be time to move on from Marner uh, or Nylander and try and get more depth and start winning. Yeah, they were already in trade talks uh, last year with Marner. Dubis was also – there's they got it trending on Twitter, file, fire Dubis. So if they don't do anything, I don't think he'll get fired because he's been a really good GM. Not really good, but he's had his good moments, like – drafted Matthews, even though it was gifted to his lap, got Marner, got Tavares. I like his pick of Amirov this year. He got Anderson. And I think, I don't think he'll get fired, but I think the heat will be turned up from like a three to four to like a seven to eight to make a run. So they might tinker with the team this offseason if they don't do anything. Yeah, so that's all we have today. Uh, thank you for tuning in and Every Saturday at noon, we'll be releasing a new podcast. Thank you all for tuning in.